Welcome to the Caleb Schaefer Podcast. We're so glad to have you join us today. Pastor Caleb is a graduate of the World Harvest Bible College, as well as Ohio Christian University. And his desire is to share the love of God with a lost and dying world. Prepare to be challenged and encouraged today through the study of God's Word. Now let's listen in to today's episode with our host, Caleb Schaefer. Hello, everyone. This is a very special edition of the podcast. I wanted to come to you today with some information that has developed uh, even over the last few days. Um, this podcast is about the recent peace treaty that was signed between Israel, the United States, the United Arab Emirates, and Bahrain. Um, the, they're calling it the Abraham Accord, the Abraham Accord. And so I wanted to bring this to you today. Uh, at the time this is being released, um, this day, the specific day is the very first day of Rosh Hashanah on the Jewish calendar. And within a few hours, it will be sunset in Jerusalem, Israel, and they will have begun Rosh Hashanah in Israel. Uh, they've begun, they will begin celebrating it. And um, there's so much going on concerning Israel this week and concerning Jerusalem. So I wanted to bring you this special report about what is going on with this peace accord, with this peace treaty. Um, the, the Abraham Accord, as they're calling it, uh, unites these nations. It begins to normalize relations between the nations of Israel Bahrain, the United Arab Emirates. Now, this is uh, one of the very first peace treaties of its kind. Israel has signed peace treaties with other nations in the past, but as far as so many Arab nations, as far as so many Muslim nations signing a peace treaty with Israel, this is uh, this is unprecedented. This is brand new. So they're recognizing Israel as its own nation recognizing Jerusalem as the capital. Um, and the Abraham Accord is named after Abraham, the, the father of the, the Hebrew faith. Um, and basically the way that the history books lay it out, the way that um, the world scope of things lay it out is that Abraham was the father of the three major world faiths. Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. Um, the the Christians and Jews believe that Isaac was the promised son of Abraham, while the the Muslims believe that Ishmael was the promised son of Abraham. So God showed up to Abraham and Sarah in their old age and said that they were going to have a son. Um, and Sarah didn't see how that could happen. Sarah didn't understand how that could happen in her old age. So she gave Abraham her servant, Hagar. Hagar uh, got pregnant by Abraham and had a son, and his name was Ishmael. Now, Ishmael was done, was, was created outside of God's perfect will for Abraham and Sarah. So they had a, a baby that was basically illegitimate. Um, and, but because he was the firstborn, the Muslims believe that he is the promised son to Abraham. Now we know that God in his sovereignty and providence gave 
Abraham and Sarah, another son that, that was conceived by Sarah in her old age. And his name was Isaac. Isaac was the promised son that God said that they would have. So there's the, there's the dividing line between Muslims and Jews and Christians. That's the dividing line, Ishmael versus Isaac. Isaac is what Christians and Jews believe. Now, within those two, um, Christians believe that Jesus is the Messiah, while Orthodox Jews are still waiting for their Messiah. They do not believe he's come yet. We know that the Messiah is Jesus Christ, while Orthodox Jews are still waiting on their Messiah. So that divides Christians and Jews, while Isaac unites them. So there's common ground there. Um, but different factors that separate all three religions. Um, Isaac was the son that Abraham was told by God to take up on Mount Moriah. Mount Moriah is where the Temple Mount in Jerusalem stands right now, stands uh, to this very day. That is Mount Moriah. So the place that Isaac was supposed to be sacrificed was on the Temple Mount. Um, but we know the story that Abraham and Isaac were walking up the mountain. Isaac said, where's the sacrifice? Abraham said, God will provide for himself a ram. And, uh, they got up to the mountain and Abraham bound Isaac. Abraham laid Isaac on an altar and even raised up his knife. Uh, and there was an angel that spoke to Abraham and said, do not harm the boy. And they heard a ram rustling in the bushes. They heard a ram in the bushes turned around. There was the ram and they sacrificed the ram instead of Isaac. And we know that that is a type and a shadow of Jesus's sacrifice for us because Jesus took our place just as the ram took the place of Isaac at the sacrifice. Now we are entering into Rosh Hashanah. And this is the time of the year where they blow the shofar. A lot of the time we see these giant shofars, these big, long, uh, these big, long shofars that are off of different types of deer and different types of, uh, animals. But on Rosh Hashanah, unless it is a, um, a Jubilee year, those types of shofars are not blown. The type of shofar that is blown on Rosh Hashanah is a ram's horn. So it's one of the short curly shofars that we see very short. Um, and they, they're, they, they have a much higher pitch sound. Um, but that is an illusion. That is, that is a nod to the, uh, the ram in the thicket for Abraham and Isaac. So basically, um, when they blow the ram's horn shofar, specifically the ram's horn shofar on Rosh Hashanah, they are calling for the Messiah to come. They are calling for their Messiah to come, the one who is going to take their place and make their propitiation. Now, we know that that's Jesus. So when we hear the ram's horn shofar, it's a call for Jesus to come back. It's a call for Jesus to return for his church, for his bride. And um, so they're going to be blowing the ram's horn shofar. Uh, probably very soon over here in Jerusalem, and um, it's a call for the Messiah. Now, all three religions, uh, 
Christianity, Judaism, and Islam do not share the exact same stories uh, in the in their Bibles. There are some differences because once the Ishmael-Isaac split takes place, the Quran goes a, a much different direction. Now, I've had people tell me, and I've had Bible college professors tell me, not not at Valor, um, but at Ohio Christian University, that all three religions worship the same God. All three religions worship the same God, and that is absolutely not true. God does not contradict himself. Allah is not the God of the Bible. Jehovah God uh, does not contradict himself. God would not give us a Bible and then change his mind uh, that he would not do that. He would not he would not come back and change his word. So the Quran, uh, which is completely diametrically opposed to the God of the Bible and how the God of the Bible acts and sees things. The Quran tells people that if people won't convert, they're to kill them. The Quran tells people that uh, that other people are infidels and uh and and basically grants permission for a lot of this hatred and and violent terror terrorism that we're seeing in the world so um god is not going to give us a bible and say blessed are the peacemakers and god is not going to give us a bible and say that uh that we should uh that we should be kind to one another and that we should take care of one another and then turn around and give another version of a Bible that makes us think that he, he wants to see certain people uh, slaughtered uh, in, in the, the age of grace. And so we've got to understand that, um, that the God of the Quran is not the same God of the Bible. Now, uh, besides that, the God of the Torah, the Jewish Torah, uh, is the God of the Bible because they have a lot of the same uh, passages of scripture and, and they have a lot of the same um, background. Uh, in fact, much of the Old Testament is the Torah. So um, that is the same background. That's the same God that they worship, but they don't have the Messiah. They don't understand that the Messiah has already come. His name is Jesus Christ. So that's a little bit of a, a background on what's going on in the Middle East. Now, we know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except by him. Now, the Bible talks about in the last days, in the very last of the last days, that at the end of the tribulation, there are going to be Jews that understand that Jesus is the Messiah. They're going to come to Jesus, they're going to cry out to him, and um that's that's going to be basically uh, what brings Jesus for the second coming at the end of the tribulation. So um, when that takes place, there will be Jews that, that will convert and they will understand that Jesus has been the Messiah all along. We understand now. So um, the, the Christians and the Jews uh, for a long time were kind of, they kind of stayed apart, but then they uh, realized that we could work together on things. So this Abraham Accord, interestingly enough, is a goal um, to bring peace to the Middle East, number one, but it also is a is a 
tool that they're using to say that they're trying to unite the three major world religions and bring peace between the world religions. And we know that that's not going to happen uh, completely because until Jesus comes back and rules and reigns on the earth, there is no way that the world is going to live at complete peace. There's no way that the world is going to have uh, total peace. And the Bible even lets us know that Ishmael, uh, the descendants of Ishmael, his hand will constantly be against everyone else. And so you can see that with the the fighting with the Muslims um, and how there are always just this this battle that takes place between the Muslims and other countries. So we've had four countries sign this Abraham Accord, and now President Trump is saying that there are up to nine countries uh, that are willing to sign. And those countries, some of them are being talked about right now. Some of them are completely uh, under wraps. But we do know that Oman has talked about it. Um, and they have been on the phone with the, in the last 24 hours with Saudi Arabia um, talking to them about signing as well. Saudi Arabia has already opened airspace over their country for flights from Israel uh, to other countries. And so this is this is incredible. And President Trump said he wants these other countries to be signed before the election in November. Now, aside from this, there are countries that are moving their embassies, just like the United States did a couple years ago, uh, moving their embassies to Jerusalem. A couple of those countries are Serbia and Malawi uh, that we know of, and there are several others who are talking the same. So this is all drawing the attention, drawing the eyes of the world to Israel and Jerusalem, and everybody's going to be watching this entire area for the next several years as everything starts to unfold. Now, there is a lot of speculation, a lot of people saying that uh, this is the peace treaty mentioned in Daniel 9.27. The, the Bible lets us know that the Antichrist will sign a peace treaty with Israel lasting seven years, um, and that that peace treaty will be the one that kicks off basically the tribulation period. This is not that peace treaty. The Abraham Accord is not that specific peace treaty. The specific peace treaty that we believe is going to be signed between Israel and the Antichrist is going to include Palestine. Palestine, the Palestinians do not have land uh, that is specifically theirs. There is no Palestinian state as it stands right now. There are Palestinians living on the West Bank. And what's going to happen in that peace treaty, that specific peace treaty, I believe this covenant is going to be uh, that the Palestinians get to have their state. They will they will have Palestine on the West Bank. So Israel's going to give up the West Bank. Now, this is dangerous because God warns us not to divide his land, that what God has God puts together, we're not supposed to separate. So the West Bank is going to be given to the Palestinians, a majority of it for their Palestinian state. Um, in addition, there is the the Jewish people that are in Palestine will be allowed to stay there um, as residents. They won't kick them out or anything. That will be part of the agreement. And in another part of the agreement, I believe what's going to happen is that Israel is going to request complete control 
over Jerusalem and the Temple Mount because we know that in order for the tribulation to take place at the midway point, there has to be a temple standing on the Temple Mount. There is no question about it that there has to be a third temple. As of now, there is no temple standing on the Temple Mount. The second temple was destroyed, and so they are hoping and preparing to rebuild. All the temple furniture has been made. All the temple artifacts, all the clothing for the priests have been made. They have actually started to train the priests who are going to serve in the temple. They've begun mock sacrifices at different points, and they've begun um, mock rituals. Um, they've, they've been practicing for a while now, and they also have candidates for the red heifer to purify the priests as well as the new temple. So basically when the new temple is built, they're ready to move into it. They're ready to go, um, and, and, and just occupy the new temple as soon as it's built. So that covenant that the antichrist signs with Israel and I believe Palestine scripturally and historically it's going to be a two-state solution that's what they are they're pushing for um is going to be that seven-year uh treaty that is mentioned in jan in daniel 9 27 so we are watching specifically for that one now this peace treaty the abraham accord is a precursor to that peace treaty. This is a precursor to the seven-year peace treaty. It is not the peace treaty, but it is a step in that direction, and that direction could happen very, very soon, because even as this was being signed on the news, they were talking about the end goal of this peace treaty that was signed the other day is to bring peace between the Israelis and the Palestinians. That is the final goal of this peace treaty, and it is it is something that they are they're hoping to achieve. They're telling the Palestinians, you need to start talking with Israel. You need to start making arrangements and negotiating with Israel. And uh, there are countries that have already signed on to this and more countries that are going to sign on to this Abraham Accord that are going to begin to peer pressure Palestine into signing a, a peace treaty with Israel. They are going to start pressuring because there are other Arab countries surrounding the area. They are going to start saying, hey, Palestinians, you need to work this out. We want peace. We don't want our neighbors uh, fighting and, and lobbing bombs at each other because our our this strip of land that everybody's on over here is not very big. So we want to know that everything is going to be calm in the Middle East. And so they're going to start peer pressuring the Palestinians, the, the, the leaders of the Palestinians, to begin to talk with Israel. Now, undercover, under wraps, there have already been some negotiations between the military forces and things where they've had to work together uh, to get a common goal done. So it's not uh, it's not that far out of reach. It's not that far out of question. And um, the talk in the peace accord that was just signed uh, says certain things like Muslims around the world are going to be be able to visit Israel's holy sites. They want to open up these holy sites to Muslims around the world. They want more access to Israel and Jerusalem for Muslims and for worshipers in general. So that is going to open the door for other people of other faiths as well as Jews to to be more in control 
of some of these holy sites. Uh, Jared Kushner is quoted as saying over the last few days that they had to get this peace accord together so that Israel didn't eat up all the land in the Middle East. So that Israel didn't eat up all the land. So Jared Kushner, being an Orthodox Jew, said this about Israel, that they shouldn't have all the land. Now we know that when this two-state solution comes, it's not going to last for very long. It's not going to last. There's going to be something that, that causes problems because the Bible foretells war in the Middle East. Um, and so we know that there's going to be a lot of problems and a lot of tension, that people aren't just going to abide by this peace treaty the entire time. Um, the language in the Abraham Accord says that all these nations that have signed it have to be committed to working together to realize a negotiated solution to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict that meets the legitimate needs and aspirations of both people. Now, we know that this is going to be a two-state solution. We know that there's going to be a Palestinian state because the Palestinian people are saying that that's their land, they want it, they've been occupying it and living there, and the Israelis are encroaching upon their land. So we know that there's going to be a division. Israel's going to be divided and partitioned off to the Palestinians. Now, mind you, less than two months ago, Less than two months ago, in the beginning of July, Israel was ready to annex the West Bank. When they were going to annex the West Bank, that means that they were going to go in and say, this land is ours, it belongs to us, and we are going to take over by force. So they were going to annex the West Bank, but they did a backpedal on that right before they were to enforce it, right before they were to go in and take the land. And now, less than two months later, we have this accord that is going to make them give away the West Bank that they were just about to take hold of. So um, this this two state solution that they're working towards, because that is the only that is the only thing that they are going to. Uh, agree on that's the only way they're going to agree is that Palestine gets a state Israel gets a state and um, that Israel's going to have to compromise and other countries are going to have to compromise in order to get this anytime a peace treaty is signed everybody in the whole party is going to end up uh, compromising in some area or another. So know that, that when you see a peace treaty, there's been compromised, agreed compromise on all sides. So Israel and the Palestinians are going to compromise, basically. Israel's going to give up some of its land, but they're going to request something in return so that they they have to feel like it's beneficial to them in order for them to sign it, basically. And anybody in their right mind would say the same thing. What's in this for me? If I'm going to fulfill your your needs, your aspirations, what's in it for me? And the two-state solution is going to include, I believe, full control over Jerusalem and the Temple Mount. They're going to have sovereignty over Jerusalem and the Temple Mount. Now, what I do not believe is that they're going to knock down the mosque on the Temple Mount or even the Dome of the Rock. The Dome of the Rock uh, was built over the foundation stone, as it is called, um, and it is built in the center of the dome of, in in the center of the Temple Mount. The Dome of the Rock is built over the foundation stone. Now, this foundation stone is what a lot of people believe 
was the the original stone that was created here on the earth that it was the the very first spot that creation started um and that it is the place where where everything began basically it's the holiest site in the entire world what i do not believe is that the temple had to have stood over the foundation stone. See, that's where they're talking that they need to build the temple, but the Dome of the Rock is standing there. I don't necessarily believe that the Dome of the Rock stands over the original spot of the temple. And there are maps, there are different drawings that kind of prove this point. Um, The foundation stone is very long and elongated. And what the traditions say is that the Holy of Holies stood at the place of the foundation stone under the doom of the rock, which is why Israel is so frustrated, why the Orthodox Jews are so frustrated with this whole temple process, because there's a dome of the rock standing over where they believe that their holy of holies should have been built. But if you look at this stone, you look at the foundation stone is very long and elongated, a very oblong, weird shape and very big. The, the Holy of Holies was a cube. The dimensions of the Holy of Holies in the Bible was a cube. It was about, it was 20 cubits by 20 cubits by 20 cubits. It was a cube. And the foundation stone is in no way, shape or form a square or a cube that the, um, that the Holy of Holies would have stood over part of the foundation stone would have stuck out on some sides and it would have just not been the ideal situation. So whether that is the place that they are going to try to rebuild or not, I do not believe that they're going to try to rebuild over the foundation stone. They just want, um, they just want a, a temple and, and they may just say, we just want access to the dome of the rock. If we're going to, uh, rebuild the temple. We can just go in there to the foundation stone, but we'll build our temple over here to the side. Um, because the third temple as described in revelation chapter 11 and verse two is built. And, and John, when he was told by the angel to measure the temple, he was told not to measure the outer court. If you know anything about the old Testament, you know, anything about the temple, you know that there's an outer court, an inner court, and the Holy of Holies. So in the book of Revelation, John was told to only measure the inner court and the Holy of Holies and leave the outer court unmeasured because it was to be walked upon by the Gentiles. So that tells me that a partial temple is going to be built. A partial temple is what's going to stand on the Temple Mount. And I imagine that there is plenty of room off to the side to build the uh, the inner court and the Holy of Holies and leave the outer court out of it. So with that said, it is very possible that all of those structures will fit on the Temple Mount perfectly, that there will not have to be any destruction of the mosque or the Dome of the Rock because they're two, they're two separate buildings. A lot of people think that the Dome of the Rock is the mosque. The Dome of the Rock is basically a museum uh, that houses the um the the foundation stone there's really no worship that goes on in there nothing like that um and a lot of the time they have the foundation stone covered up by scaffolding and curtains right now so um the worship actually takes place in the al-aqsa mosque that is on the end of the temple mount so 
the Muslims go there to worship, and I believe that they'll have the Jews go to the other end and worship, and it'll just be under joint control. So we've seen over the last several weeks, over the last month, certain things taking place on the Temple Mount, because up until just a few weeks ago, Jews were not permitted to really go up there and pray or do anything uh, religious. They were allowed to walk in a clockwise, counterclockwise circle, uh, and they were allowed to just go up, walk in a circle, and leave. Basically, they were escorted by police, um, and that was basically it. But over the last few weeks, they they were they've been allowed to do certain things up there on the Temple Mount, including pray. They've been allowed to get drinks out of the water fountains. That was never allowed before, so they're allowing the Jews to pray, allowing the Jews to get drinks out of the water fountains, and they're, they've allowed them to unfurl Israeli flags on the Temple Mount, and that has never been allowed before. So it seems like there has been some sort of a shift, and people's hearts are being softened to the possibility of compromise and working together on the Temple Mount. And if that takes place, we're going to see the Third Temple rebuilt, and that is going to pave the way for the midpoint of the Great Tribulation. We know that the Bible lets us know that the Antichrist, there's going to be uh there's going to be sacrifices reinstated. There's going to be ritual worship reinstated on the Temple Mount. And at the midway point of the tribulation, at three and a half years, there is going to be a great uh, abomination of desolation that the Antichrist sets up in the temple. And he's going to stop all, all sacrifice. He's going to stop all worship. And uh, he's going to claim himself to be God. So that's going to take place at three and a half years into the tribulation. So we need a temple at that point, And the temple will have to be functioning at that point. So we've got to get there uh, before we can actually see the tribulation begin. Um, and and that's, that's where we're headed. So basically the end goal of this Abraham Accord is going to be peace between the Israelis and the Palestinians. It's going to be a two-state solution. Palestine is going to get a state in, in exchange for peace. Israel is going to give up their land in exchange for peace and exchange for control over Jerusalem and the Temple Mount. So that's what's happening um, in the Middle East right now. It's so important to be ready for the return of Jesus at any point in time. And it's important as we see these signs take place that we are re- we are ready. We're ready and we're trying to get as many people ready as possible because the time is so short. And as we see the days approaching where they're getting ready to sign more countries onto this treaty, and as we see the days approaching where they're getting ready to sign between Palestine and Israel, we've got to be prepared and we've got to be preparing others. So get your heart ready to meet Jesus because the Bible tells us that he's coming in the twinkling of an eye and we're going to be caught up in the air with him to be with him forever. So there's nothing to lose by putting your faith and your hope in Jesus Christ. But this is an update of what's going on right now with the Abraham Accord. I hope I've explained it well, and I've hoped that I've given you some more information as to what's taking place. So I'd like to pray a prayer with you right now. If you say I'm not ready to meet Jesus, I don't have my life ready uh, and, and my heart's not ready to meet him. I want to pray this prayer. And if you'll just pray this prayer after me, I believe that you're going to be uh, ready to go and ready to meet him. Say, Father God, 
I come to you in the name of Jesus, believing that he's your son, believing that he died on the cross and rose again, and that he's coming back. I ask you to cleanse me from my sin. Wash me in the blood that he shed on the cross. Fill me with the Holy Spirit and help me to live for you all my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Friend, if you said that prayer, I believe that you started the greatest journey you could ever start in your entire life. You are on a journey with Jesus Christ and you started a relationship with him. It's not about a prayer. It's not about just a decision. It is about a relationship with him. And so from this point on, you need to pray to him. From this point on, you need to read your Bible. From this point on, find a church that you can lock in with that is Bible-driven and Bible-based, and they will help you get on the track of this relationship that you've started with him. And when Jesus comes back, you're going to be ready to meet him in the air. Thank you so much for listening today. If you said that prayer for the first time or the 500th time, send me a message on the, the podcast uh, platform that you're listening on. Send me a private message on my Instagram or my Facebook. The announcer will come on here and tell you how to get into contact with me very shortly. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Be sure to share this podcast. Let other people know what's going on and keep your eyes on the sky. Keep your heart ready to meet Jesus because it's not going to be long at all. Watch for these peace treaties to continue to be signed and see what happens in the Middle East. That's where our focus should be right now if we want to know what God is doing in the earth. God bless you. Thanks so much for tuning in. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Caleb Schaefer podcast. If you would like to connect with Caleb, you can do so on Facebook at Caleb Schaefer Ministry, on Instagram at Caleb underscore Schaefer, or by visiting www.calebschaefer.com. If you have been encouraged, please share this podcast with your friends and loved ones. Once again, we appreciate you listening to today's episode and may God bless you as you continue to walk with Him.